Welcome Truth Seekers all across the Fruited Plain. I'm your host, Kim S. Anderson, bringing you Civics Made Simple. Hashtag we are exceptional. These are bite-sized civics lessons designed for you to take and share wherever you go. These are important times. Times that American citizens like you and me need to know how our rights came to be and the responsibilities that go along with them. This is Kim Anderson. I am so glad to be here with you guys. We are doing um, um, a lesson today called the Peaceful Transfer of Power. And I'm very excited to give this to you. It's going to be really good. Following along with Alpha Omega and their homeschool civics course. And so we are officially in book two of that course. We've got a couple more books to go. So we're really going to get into some nitty gritty. I really like how we sort of break each thing, each um, lesson down and we keep building upon each lesson. And so when we talk about the peaceful transfer of power, I want you to understand that, first of all, it's something that's probably uniquely American. And it wasn't something that was done prior to um, this country establishing the peaceful transfer of power. And so I'm going to talk a little bit today about how the Constitution came into being, which was really, once again, a miracle that it actually happened. But if you recall from some of our previous lessons, um, there were the Articles of Confederation and our founding fathers were so anti a strong central government because of the monarchy and what they came out of with the Revolutionary War and separating from England that they were just like, this is not what we want. And so they drafted the Articles of Confederation. But the thing with the Articles was that it really didn't have any teeth. It didn't really give um, the federal government authority to um, to to override states' rights at that point. It was just sort of a document, but no states really adhered to it. And if there was a... Um, if there was a discrepancy between state to state, the federal government really didn't have any authority to um, rule on those things. And so it was just a document. And um, at that particular time, states' rights were more important than federal rights or states' rights overrode federal rights at, the, at that particular point. So the articles just didn't have any meat. There was nothing in them that the, that the states um, felt that they had to comply with. And so here's a funny little history note. Um, the country, while it was being run under the Articles of Confederation, had this crazy name. So check this out. This, the, the country was actually called, it was actually run by the Congress of the Confederation, the United States in Congress Assembled. Let that roll off your tongue real fast. Nothing like USA, right? the United States in Congress assembled and check this out that entity that Congress had a president and his name was John Hansen have you ever heard of that before like I never even knew who that guy was but for that period of time where the Articles of Confederation were in charge he was the guy who knew now some of you are either like oh I heard about John Hansen really are you serious okay and so um, realizing the states began to realize that there was no way that they could really move forward with the, with the Articles of Confederation being so weak. And so um, in 1787, February of that year, 
the Congress endorsed a plan to revise the Articles of Confederation. Um, and every state except Rhode Island sent delegates. And so a few months later, in September of that same year, 1787, the Constitutional Convention signed the final draft of the Constitution and sent it back to Congress. Now, at this point, there's no assurance that the Constitution is going to be ratified. Like, it's, everything was hanging by such a thin thread. I hope that that message is, gets conveyed to you as you go through these lessons, that it, it was so tenuous. It was just one thing here and one thing there, and we don't have the United States. But it was just one little thread. So there's no guarantee at this point that the Constitution is going to be ratified. Now, there were four things that needed to happen in order to ratify the Constitution. The first step in the process was that um, the Constitution had to be submitted to the Congress um, for their approval. That's one. The second step was that it had to be transmitted. The Constitution had to be transmitted um, by the Congress to the state legislatures. The third step was the election of delegates to the convention for each state to consider the new Constitution. And the fourth step was ratification by the Constitution by at least nine of the state conventions. Now, here's the deal. Um, a couple of things in that. It sounds simple-ish, but a couple of things with that. Um, they wanted the states to have um, their own delegations or have their own conventions and not necessarily have the state legislatures that were in place vote on the Constitution. They wanted the people to get more involved in whether this was going to be ratified by the states or not. Now, the second thing that's kind of interesting was that the fact that they had to have nine states ratify the Constitution. Well, here's the deal, though. It had to be the right nine states because at that time, the large states were Massachusetts, it's kind of funny thinking of Massachusetts as a large state now, but Massachusetts was the beginning of everything, right? So Massachusetts had enormous power. Um, New York, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. Now, if those guys didn't ratify it, who cares what Rhode Island or North Carolina did? They had to get the big four. And so people began to lobby. They began to lobby um, for those in those particular states to get the Constitution ratified. So, um, so active campaigning was going on like immediately in the, especially in the large states to get it ratified. And so, um, there was after this, this, um, campaigning with the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists, um, every state except Rhode Island, I don't know what was going on with Rhode Island, um, elected, uh, elected a ratifying convention during the year from 1787 to 1788 still not sure if this thing is going to pass. Um, so what ended up happening is that the, the, the state conventions began to ratify the Constitution. So it started with Delaware, then Pennsylvania, then New Jersey, then Georgia, um, and then Connecticut. And when it got to Massachusetts, we have to really be very, very thankful for the state of Massachusetts and the leadership in the state at that time, because here was the deal. I say that a lot, don't I? But here was what Massachusetts wanted. The Constitution, in its written form at that point, um, outlined the federal government. But what Massachusetts wanted 
was and, and demanded actually was that there be amendments to the Constitution, including a Bill of Rights added immediately, meaning we'll ratify this, but only under the agreement that we're going to have a, 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 a immediate amendments. And we're going to call those immediate amendments the Bill of Rights because you know, and at first the Federalists were like completely against it. They were like, no, just ratify the Constitution. We'll talk about a Bill of Rights later. And they were like the anti-Federalists um, that were led by Sam Adams and uh, John Hancock were like, no, this is really, really important for us. Like this is a deal breaker for us. If we don't say that there's going to be a Bill of Rights to protect the individual from the um, the federal government, we're out of here. We're not going to do it. This is so key and so important because so many of us, when we think of the Constitution, we think of the Bill of Rights as our rights. Like when the Constitution gets personal for us, it's because of the Bill of Rights and those first 10 amendments that apply to the individual. And so it's great that we have the framework of government with the three branches and all of that. But it's that Bill of Rights, man, that that's so important to us us as people as americans and so i'm so grateful that massachusetts stood its ground and they were like yo we're not doing this unless we can agree right now that there's going to be a bill of rights and then they reached that agreement and they said yes but check this out guys and so then massachusetts ratified the constitution but the vote was 187 to 168 it was it was really close I mean, like it was really, really close. So once Massachusetts, once that domino fell, then the others came in rapid succession. Then we had Maryland and then South Carolina and New Hampshire, Virginia and New York. Eleven states, including all four of the major states, had now ratified the Constitution and the process for putting it into effect began. Now, in July 1788, the Congress of the Confederation announced that the Constitution had been ratified. Um, and in September of 1788, a committee was named to provide for the transition in government. And so why is this so amazing? Because for the possibly the first time in history, the people of a nation had freely and peacefully, peacefully, like there was no war in this part we had a war to get us to this part, but there was no war, had peacefully decided upon their form of government. I'm telling you guys, this is so radical and we take it for granted now, but it's, it was so amazing that this is what happened. Um, and after the constitution was ratified, we had our first president, we had George Washington come out of retirement and take the role of president. And he was president for two terms. And he was pretty adamant that he was not going to be president for any longer than that. I mean, people would have voted for George Washington as long as George Washington wanted to, to be around. But he felt that it would it would lend too much credence to the fact that you could have a monarchy start in the U.S. And he didn't want that at all. Um, and so he he just re, he, he said that he didn't think he could be effective um, serving more than two terms. So he stepped down and he actually set the precedent for two terms as president. And um, we only had one president, and that was Franklin Roosevelt, who um, was elected to more than two terms. And after um, after he was after he died in office, um, I think he was elected four times. But it was it was four crazy terms, meaning we had the Great Depression, we had World War Two, 
And so it was a, it was a crazy time, but so he got elected. And I guess the people at that point just didn't want um, change at the presidency. But after that, there was an amendment to the Constitution that prohibited any that prohibited any individual from ever being elected to the presidency more than twice. And I'm just going to leave you with this thought. You can let me know what you think about this. But if we have an amendment for the presidency to not serve more than two terms, do you think we should maybe have an amendment for the congressional branch and the judicial branch? I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, if it's fair for one branch of government, why wouldn't it be fair for the others? I'm just going to leave you with that thought today. Um, but the peaceful transition of power is something uniquely American. Other countries have tried to adopt, um, our stance on the peaceful transition of power. It doesn't always work, but something special. Once again, I keep telling you something special about American citizenship. And so, um, as we go forward, guys, we're getting into the really good stuff now. We're going to be talking about um, an introduction to congressional, uh, I'm sorry, into constitutional government. That's a big thing. Um, constitutional law as it relates to the United States federal government. We're going to even be talking about the preamble to the Constitution. I love it. Um, and then we'll, we'll move into the separation of power and checks and balances. We're getting into the nitty gritty now. So I want to thank you guys for um, following us, um, staying on point with our civics lessons. It is really great. We're going to have a whole combined lesson, an, a complete online course for people to be able to learn and understand phys physics. <laughs> civics. I really don't want to learn and understand civics anymore. Physics anymore. Oh my gosh, I think I'm done. So guys, let's help people get an understanding about the true value of American citizenship. It, it, it came with a price. It came with a price and it's very, very valuable. And we will talk to you soon. Have a great one guys. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Civics Made Simple. This is your host, Kim S. Anderson, inviting you to visit our site, kimsanderson.me.me for the latest and most up-to-date information on our podcast and our store. Follow us at hashtag WeAreExceptional on Instagram and Twitter. God bless, and we'll see you next time.